Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Take Heart. Before we get started today, I wanted to remind you that you can find free resources, show notes, and ways to connect with us at our website, TakeHeartSpecialMoms.com. You can also sign up for our newsletter, where we share great resources with you each month. Let's get started. One of the biggest areas special needs moms worry about is that they are not doing enough. And this is especially true when it comes to our other children. Often as special needs moms, we put our own perspective on this topic or make assumptions about how our other kids are doing. Being a sibling of a child with special needs has its challenges, but it also has its blessings. This month, we are going to be talking to siblings and get their unique perspective. So I am very thrilled to have a very special guest on today, my daughter, Anna. Um, First of all, Anna is the second of six children. As you know, I have six children. My oldest three are biological. And so I have three bio kids, three adoptive kids. Anna is the second oldest of children, but the first daughter. So she has added responsibility probably. (laughs) Um, Anyway, Anna, would you like to introduce yourself and tell our audience a little bit about you? Yeah. So as my mom just said my name is Anna um I'm currently living in Texas um I write full-time and I teach English at the local university and I'm going to get married in June and I have a dog and that's basically all there is about me (laughs) Anna um and I have always had a really close relationship. We kind of like the same thing. We love Charles Dickens and grammar, which sounds so nerdy. And yeah. we have very, um, we just always, I've always, she's always been delightful and she is getting married and I feel like we're not doing enough for the wedding, but <laughs> maybe we are. <laughs> so. Who knows at this point, who knows? Anyway, so thank you for being on the show today. Um, we get a lot of questions about siblings. So it's an honor to have you here and to share um, kind of our experience. Now, before we get started, I, I want to say that we lived in a we live in a family that had kids with rad reactive attachment disorder. So we had a very extreme experience with behavior, and I understand that that's not everybody's experience. So first of all, I want to talk a little bit about it, what it was like in our house with that specific experience of RAD and um, fetal alcohol and some of the behavior. And then we'll kind of zoom out and talk about in general what it's like to be a sibling of a child with special needs. So um, we had a pretty intense situation, as you know, and um, living in our house was really hard at times. And I was aware that it was hard. Um, our, our daughter 
um, that has rad was violent. She was steel. We had to lock doors. We had alarms. Um, there were several times in which we would be doing a family outing and the wheels would come off the bus and I would have to leave with her. Um, the other kids made a lot of sacrifices um, in that regard. Um, and I, I was aware all that was happening and I really did my best to try to protect everybody else. Um, her, uh, our daughter's uh, violence did not really exhibit itself much towards the siblings. It was more towards me. But um, what do you think, Anna, what was one of the biggest challenges of living in our home with siblings with RAD? It's a big question. <laughs> yeah, that is a big question. I would say, I mean, I mean, all of it is too easy an answer. But I would say probably one of the hardest things about a sibling with RAD is, especially when, is the emotional part of it, right? Um, because you can get used to, kids are adaptable, right? They can get used to any physical, like, you know, oh, we always lock up the chocolate. Oh, we lock the pantry before we go to bed. Um, but it's really hard, especially I'm very close to my non-RAD siblings, like very close, as you know. Um, but it's hard to not be able to have that relationship with the sibling who is being physically violent, um, sometimes verbally abusive, who is ruin it seems like she's like ruining the family outings, ruining the day-to-day -day life, making things difficult in the house. Mm -hmm. And did you feel like part of that was you not doing enough on your end? Like, how can I be a better sister? Or did you recognize, okay, she can't do this. She can't, she doesn't know how to connect. I mean, I can't speak for all siblings of special needs and rad kids because I, I'm i eight years older than her. So I had the advantage of age. I don't know how it would have been if I was two years older than her or her age or younger than her. That might have been mm -hmm. harder to understand. But I definitely had that perspective of this is not something that any of us can really help. I never blamed her. I never blamed you. Um, I, you know, I never like was like, I have to fix this. Um it just was something that was really hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I probably felt a little more responsibility being older to be like, I have to be the mature one um, because I can have a relationship and I am eight years older. So I have to be the one who's, you know, not yelling back. Um, but other than that, I don't think I blamed anyone. I don't think I like uh, saw like anyone, anyone's responsibility in it. I think it's interesting that you said, you know, we had to lock up things and that's just things you would do for like, if you had a child with a physical disability, there would be certain things you would adapt your house to. So that's kind mm -hmm. of our adaption of the house, but it is the relationship part um, that was hard. And I know you were excited to have a sister because you had two brothers first. So I'm sure yeah. that that was um, <laughs> quite disappointing in that regard. What do you think would have helped? I know that's a big question too, but you know, from my perspective as a mom, I was doing all I thought I could, and I'm not saying I did any of it perfectly, but looking back now, what are some things specifically to having kids, siblings with extreme behavior um, that would have maybe helped? I think, uh, I think the main thing, and this is more structural than it is familial, is preparation. Like you and dad going into this didn't really know about rad and had no idea like the extreme toll that a rad kid can take on a family right um 
so obviously like you as a mom can't change the entire adoptive system but moms who are considering adoption because most kids with rat are adopted moms who are considering adoption should uh should have like some sort of education know what it what it the toll that it could take on them and on and on their other kids um and part of that might be like mentorship from other moms who have who have red kids like what you are doing mm-hmm, right but because you did all you could I'm, I don't think that there's anything that you could have done differently one thing I remember that happened is we made the decision as a family well actually I think I've told this story in the podcast before that my oldest three went to therapy we're big uh, fans of therapy here all our kids have been in it um we went to family therapy just the older bio kids and me and um, the kids had told me we want to do things without her because every family outing mom has to leave or dad has to leave. And at first that sounded very, um, counterintuitive to how I wanted to raise my family. And we're such a family that loves to do things together, but me hearing what you guys said was so helpful. Um, and I remember thinking, okay, let's, I was, the therapist said, yeah, you should do things without her just so the other kids can, and you can enjoy time with them. And so I, we, after that, once I got permission, (laughs) we started doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think one thing that would be important for um, moms of kids is to allow uh, kids with rad to allow the siblings to have a voice um, and be honest about what they're feeling and what they're thinking. Um, I think initially I fell into the trap of, oh, come on guys, buck up. You know, you, you don't, your brain hasn't been ruined by alcohol. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, that's not really fair to say that to you because that's not your fault, right? <laughs> that's like, I can't, I guess my point being that giving you guys a voice, it took me a bit to get there, but that was like something I always tell other moms that that is important because you guys, the siblings need to be heard too. And so what would you have to say to that? Do you think? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think it's important to remember that, like, even though these, these other kids in the family, you know, kids like me, I'm completely neurotypical. Um, Well, I might not, my brain wasn't ruined by alcohol. I have the capability of uh, forming an attachment with a, that a kid with reactive attachment disorder doesn't necessarily have, but I was still a kid. Um, mm-hmm. And that does like, I have an inc- entirely different childhood than literally anybody else I know, except for my siblings. <laughs> They're the only people I know that I can say, Hey, remember when our sister did this and they <laughs> laugh about it and are a little, a little bit horrified um, <laughs> because it's, that's the, that's what I grew up with. Um, and that's my childhood and it's a unique and it can be a wonderful experience and there's a lot of wonderful things that that we did together as a family but giving the other kids the voice helps them express like the uniqueness of of what is happening to them because a lot of kids just want to like don't realize exactly how unique this is how not normal it is all right. Thanks for saying that. And what did, what did you learn from this experience? And I, I hate to answer that question in some ways, because sometimes people will come up to us and say, well, what did you learn? Like, there's gotta be a reason. And, you know, we've talked in, in our, among Carrie, Sarah and I about things people say, and I don't think we always have to get 
get um, a lesson out of something. But in, in reality, hard things is what shapes us doing hard things and, and having um, adversity. So what do you think you learned from being a sibling of a special needs child? Um, well, I learned that sometimes there's not a reason. Sometimes there's not some big, like, this was the reason behind everything that happened to you. But I also learned a lot of compassion and a lot of, you can't judge the this other person. You can't judge this screaming child in the supermarket because you don't know what, what that mom, what that kid is going through. You don't, you never know someone's story. That's probably the biggest takeaway from it I also learned exactly how how blessed I am to have the genetics and the loving parents that I have Mm -hmm. and to be able to form loving relationships when you see exactly what life is like for someone who like through no fault of their own doesn't know how to form a loving relationship through attachment disorder it is it really makes you thankful for the depth of your love and friendship with your, with your siblings and your family. Yeah. I think sometimes with rad, you focus on the behavior, but it is heartbreaking to see how some of these children, they just, you know, our son who came from an orphanage, he just, he's super friendly at first blush. Everyone's like, he's so friendly. He can't make friends. He pushes them away. And that's, such a sad thing to see. So yeah, I think that's a really, um, that's a good point. Um, what do you think are the misconceptions that people have about special needs siblings or things people say to you as a special needs sibling? You've probably talked about this before. I know you have on your blog. Um, I think one of the big ones is the misconception of that. I must be so strong, Mm -hmm. um, because it's hard. Um, like they almost put me on a pedestal like you must be an awesome sister for loving for loving this girl for loving this boy as your as your sibling despite all this when really like I wasn't like I wasn't really super given a choice Um, I'm not saying that to like reflect on you that you forced these kids into our lives and we weren't given a choice but like like as with any sibling like as with any nuclear family you're not given a choice who your nuclear family is really um, and so any difficulties are like something you just have to weather. And being that strong is not something that it's necessarily that I would like that I would choose every day, if that makes sense. And I think the other thing um, which led to a lot of guilt over the years is when when my sister went away, like the first time she went away, she was 11, right? She's 11. Right. She had gone to a residential treatment center and. Um... That was a hard decision. Yeah. And this is after several years of just hard, hard behavior and a lot of, I mean, I would say, and my therapist would also say, like verbal abuse from her to you, to me, to all the rest of the siblings and the violence and the stealing and all the behavior that we've talked about. That's very typical of fetal alcohol and a rad, but people would say, wow, but don't you miss her? And I'd feel really guilty, but the truth is, no, I didn't miss her. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to realize it's okay not to miss someone who you need those boundaries with because she does, she is not capable of forming that emotional attachment. So it's okay if you don't have it. Mm -hmm. 
I was just uh, talking to someone the other day about the decision to send a child to a treatment center is a very painful one. And um, if a child needed surgery, it's sad and people are come around you and, um, and they feel bad for you and they bring you meals. But when you do this, when you make this decision, there's a little bit of guilt and shame around it because people don't understand it because, um, they're, they're, they're taking this, their situation of normally attached children and applying that to a child that can't attach. Um, so it's, it is not the same. Um, and I wish, so I understand yeah. that too, because people, people would ask me that too. And I would feel bad saying, I just need a break. And what I remember about when that time happened is I had this big grandiose plan of all the stuff I was going to do, but it really was a year of respite for us. And we were able to, um, do things that we normally couldn't do as a family. We didn't have to lock things. Um, we didn't have to, it's really hard when you live in a family of eight people and you have keys <laughs> to everything and you can't find mm -hmm. them. And somebody wants to eat <laughs> yeah. Cheetos at 11 PM and mom's asleep and we can't find the keys and <laughs> it's a whole thing. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> well, I have another question for you. And that is if you were, if you were talking right now to a young nine, 10 year old girl that had a, that was a special need, specifically a girl, because I think it's different because there's a yes. little bit more responsibility on girls, you know, how would you mentor or first of all, do you wish you would have had someone older that had been through it? And number two, what would you say to a younger you or a young girl that is, you know, kind of struggling with her feelings of, I'm kind of annoyed that mom always has to pay attention to this kid. Like those are normal feelings. Um, what would you say to, um, another young girl right now that is struggling with being a special needs sibling? Yeah. First of all, I think even if I wouldn't have thought it at the time, I think it would have been helpful to have someone who had gone through it. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe at the time I would have been like, no, it's fine. Everything's good. Uh, because when you're in survival mode, you don't necessarily always realize right. that you're in survival mm -hmm. mode, but uh, yes. Now, I think I would say, um, first of all, basically for all oldest girls slash girls in a family, because a lot of times through no fault of anybody's, they get a lot more responsibility than the mm -hmm. boys. Mm -hmm. um, your feelings are valid. If you're annoyed at this, that's OK. You're allowed to talk to your mom about it. Mm -hmm. um, I would say specifically, don't feel bad about having needs right. because one of the biggest things is because my siblings with special needs had so many needs that my normal child's needs even though you were not neglecting them because of all the stress and pressure that my siblings were obviously putting on my parents it was hard for me to be like hey I need you know help with being 12. Um, I need help There's no help for 12, 12 honey. There's there no real, help for 12. I know that's the sad part. Yeah. But see, I didn't know that at the time. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but the, uh, my, my normal growing up needs probably were neglected through nobody's fault because I felt like I couldn't have needs, mm. if that makes sense. Right. Right. And I, I think part and of I that. Think I, would, I think I would tell someone it's okay to have needs. But also, I think a mentor would be really helpful because if a mom is dealing with 
stealing and lying and uh and all these all these things having someone like me or someone who's had a sibling like this would be really helpful to be like no it's okay like Mm -hmm. I'm not your mom because when you're 12 you also don't want to always talk to your mom about things (laughs) um I'm I'm not your mom and this is okay to feel this way right to act this way yeah that's a good point um you're right when when everything's in chaos you don't always want to go hey I have a question or I need help with this um and Mm -hmm. there was a lot of you so there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> There's that too. So, um, thank you uh, for talking. I kind of secretly wanted to go, what did I do? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was afraid to be like, well, <laughs> now's my chance <laughs> to tell the world. You did a lot of <laughs> no, things <I'm-> right. Mom. <laughs> um, it's challenging. And, and for the mom out there who is like, I just feel like I'm failing them. I know I'm going to tell you from my mouth to your ear that, um, you know, my oldest three, um, first of all, amazing. I'm so proud of them. I didn't do everything right. They didn't get all their needs met. There were probably a lot of things I could have done differently, but they're okay. And that doesn't mean they're skipping through world, the world, like with no issues. They, they all have gone and taken care of their mental health. They've all had to work through, um, the situation in our house, but they are okay. And I mean, I just want to encourage moms that don't put the added pressure on, um, yourself that you're ruining their whole life because, um, or that you're not doing enough because, um, we have to trust God for the times that we can't, we're not intended to do everything first of all. And we have to trust God for that. Um, one thing I I do think is I, I really tried to delight in the small things with you guys and do things with each one of you or do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are my dearest memories. And I've said this on the podcast before that I'll go back through my journals and I'll see, Oh, I took Anna to this or I took Evan to this, um, went to get ice cream with this kid. Um, and it's been, um, it's been a, it's easy to look at other people's lives and go, well, they don't have all these issues, but man, we've, we just had little drops of grace and beauty daily throughout our lives, even in the midst yeah. of really, difficult things. Um, so, um, that's my encouragement to the listener to just remember that, um, sometimes in the midst of all the hard, it's, it's hard to remember that, but please do. So, well, Anna, first of all, thank you so much for coming on here. And, um, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you and I'm kind of mad. Okay. I do have one thing to say. She lives in Texas, which is dumb. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. I live in Michigan. (laughs) It's far. It's far away. I may just have angered all my Texas listeners, (laughs) but (laughs) that's the only thing I'm mad about. I'm warm though right now. (laughs) Yeah, you are. I'm not. So anyway, thank you so much for taking the time um, to um, talk to us. And I guess one last question, do you have anything you'd like to say in way of encouragement to the special needs mom? Um, you're doing a great job. I just by, just by thinking through this, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my mom just said, your non-special needs kids obviously don't neglect them, but you aren't <laughs> neglecting them by taking care of your, your special needs kid. Um, some kids need more help than others and uh kids are amazingly resilient and very good at when they have needs of actually making them known mm-hmm. like they'll they'll let you know 
But if you're thinking about a mentor, that's probably like that. Like if a kid, you feel like one of your kids needs a mentor, that's a good idea. Or a dog. Dogs are great too. <laughs> I don't know, Anna. I'm only saying that. I'm only, I'm only saying that because my dog is currently biting my hand. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. And um, I love you. And I love you too. Appreciate you being here. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us this week on Take Heart. I hope that you were encouraged by our interview today. We're so grateful you are walking this journey with us. Thanks for listening and join us next week as we continue our sibling series as Carrie interviews her boys.